Is it totally fitting that the last episode dissection of Fate also happens to be the last episode in season one of my podcast? Yes. Did I plan it out to be that way? Also, yes. <laughs> hey there, welcome to the Winx Forever podcast. I'm Lola, creator, host, and lifelong Winx fan. I'm taking a deep dive into the very cool universe of Winx Club. So whether you've been a Winx fan since 2004, like myself, or you vaguely remember the show from your childhood, or you're being introduced to it for the first time, welcome. This is the Winx Forever podcast. Wow, this is not only the last Fate episode dissection for season one, but also the final episode for season one of the Winx Forever podcast, you guys. Uh, I can't thank you all enough for making the first season of this podcast so special for me. I've so enjoyed getting to connect with new friends and old friends while reigniting just my passion for Winx Club. It's been such a joy and I am even more looking forward to season two where I'll have special guests and we'll be diving more into the original Winx series. So I hope you stay tuned for all of that. But for now, we are concluding our journey through the other world with Fate the Winx Saga, episode six, A Fanatic Heart. The description reads, as the Alfians fight for survival, 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 <laughs> survival, the truth about Bloom's destiny is revealed. She struggles to help defeat the burned ones. What? The description isn't bad, but I wouldn't call Bloom going full fairy exactly struggling to help defeat the burned ones. She freaking, she did it. <laughs> that's literally, that's literally the show. Whatever. Episode 6 picks up right where episode 5 left off with Bloom talking to Rosalind as she instructs Bloom telepathically how to break her out um, with Bloom's powers. Meanwhile, waiting anxiously outside the chamber where Rosalind and Bloom are, Tara is worried about Bloom but also tells Musa and Stella that she is equally worried about Beatrix. So they go to check on where they left her after they made her like you know, trip the, um, the trap that Farrah set on the door and she's gone. <laughs> About that time is when Dowling, Harvey, and Aisha come in and discover what Aisha has told them is true. That Bloom has in fact released Rosalind. Oh my God. <laughs> I cannot stand. I can't stand the way that Rosalind talks. It's so freaking annoying. I assume they were going for like intimidating maybe but it's just very annoying i do love the interactions with tara stella and musa in the tunnel why would <laughs> like their their conversation is cute but like why would beatrix be crafting shivs she's a fairy she doesn't need shivs <laughs> she would literally just electrocute them to death duh <laughs> Now, as much as I dislike Beatrix, I do have a problem with how she was introduced at the beginning as this, like, badass antagonist that literally killed a man in the third episode. But here she is literally duped into thinking that Bloom was actually on her side. I don't know. Beatrix just seemed a lot more cunning than that. Um, 
just terrible. The real season one tricks would never allow it. So the remaining four girls are taken to their wink suite by Harvey when he like scolds them for helping Bloom break out Rosalind and Tara finally stands up to her dad and explains why he can't logically be mad at her since he'd been lying to her for years apparently. Okay Tara, pop off. Harvey gets flustered by his daughter's sudden outburst and shuts them up in the suite, sealing the door with his earth fairy powers. Stella and Aisha start to have a go at it when Musa says that she needs to at least go get her headphones before they start to argue and finds that Sam has been waiting in her uh, bedroom in the next room. Honestly, (laughs) Aisha actually is the only one speaking some sense in this argument. Stella is like saying something about how everyone over the age of five knows not to snitch. But Aisha is literally saying that Bloom is being selfish and that the last thing that Dowling needs is to be worried about Rosalind, which I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> actually, I've, I've got to agree with Aisha on this one. Bloom is being hella selfish. <laughs> So by the time that Farrah reaches the Undercroft chamber, it is too late and Rosalind and Bloom are long gone. They appear in the graveyard outside of the school and Rosalind explains to Bloom that there are underschool tunnels that lead throughout the land. And Bloom kind of just acts like she'd never been there before. I'm sorry, wasn't this the same graveyard that had the gateway where Bloom used Stella's ring in the first episode? But that was a whole five episodes ago, I guess. Easily forgettable, right? But also Rosalind says that there's a lot that Farrah doesn't know. Like, we get it. You're trying to establish that Rosalind was Farrah's mentor, but you don't have to make it so obvious with the dialogue. (laughs) Also, if Rosalind is, like, such a stronger fairy than Farrah, how did Rosalind get trapped in the Undercroft? How did, like, Farrah overpower her then? Like, how... How do they defeat Rosalind and put her in that sedated state? Like, we need, the people need answers. (laughs) Farrah goes looking all over for Rosalind and Bloom. She checks the stone circle where she finds a seemingly empty magical location. When Farrah texts that they aren't at the stone circle, she stalks away and Rosalind just like light magics her and Bloom into view. There are several things wrong with this scene. Farah is a powerful fairy and she was born a mind fairy, right? Like we know that she was born a mind fairy. So just as Musa could sense Stella was invisible in the wink suite, Farah would totally be able to sense Bloom and Rosalind in the stone circle. Unless... Rosalind, like, mind fairy magicked both her and Bloom so that they, like, they they could mask their emotions from Farah. Is that even a thing, though? It's just, it's just so frustrating. Again, there seems to be, like, they're trying way too hard to establish Rosalind as a superior fairy, and I just can't with it. So then Rosalind proceeds to explain to bloom like finally why she had to destroy Asterdell, that there were blood witches and that she couldn't tell her anything about her birth parents because she didn't know them but she knew mike and vanessa's names weird she also told bloom that she needed to be loved which seemed kind of uncharacteristic of what we know about 
ruthless Rosalind up until this point. She then promises that she can train Bloom and that she can help her find her birth parents. Oh yeah, I'm sure Rosalind would love to find Oratel Miriam, huh? She would. Also, this is just like a production note, I guess, or like a writing note. I don't know. This scene with Rosalind divulging all this information to Bloom would have been much better told with flashback visuals for the audience, just in my opinion. It should have shown like Rosalind looking down on the carnage of Astrodel after she had like nuked it and seeing a little baby protected by a magic force field and her picking up Bloom and rescuing her. It should have shown her checking up on Mike and Vanessa in secret with her like light magic invisibility cloak, (laughs) watching them with their newborn changeling daughter, you know, like there was a lot that they could have done with this scene to make it more, um, storytelling, you know, more visually pleasing. Instead, we just freaking get monotone Rosalind talking and Bloom looking bewildered, like literally everything. Ugh. I'm, I'm so tired. Meanwhile, back at Althea, the magical barrier surrounding the school and its grounds has been compromised and specialists are monitoring the burned one situation. Silva <laughs> asks Sky why he had to find out from Aisha that Sky was drugged by Bloom in the Stone Circle, to which Sky rebuttals why he found out from Bloom about Astrodel. Oh <laughs> well, and then Silva is literally like, "We'll talk about this later." I'm sorry, sir. You started this conversation, and now you don't have time for it. <laughs> what the heck? The power at Elphia like starts to flicker and Sam earth magics his way out of the sealed door to go find out what's going on. The lights everywhere are flickering until they flicker out into complete darkness when Sam gets attacked by a freaking bird one in the halls of the dormitory. He earth magics his way back into the wink suite and he is bleeding out and informs them that there's a burned one in the school. Once the teachers discover this breach in the barrier, they start to round up all the students into the courtyard and literally forget all about the girls in the wink suite that Harvey literally locked up while his son is bleeding out, dying from a burned one attack. Okay, probably wouldn't have happened if they had more than three freaking teachers at Althea. Just saying. Also, wow, aren't you proud of me? I've made it this far into the episode and haven't brought that up yet. I'm proud of me. While making her way back to Alfia, Bloom runs into Skye and is confronted about literally drugging him. <laughs> LOL. And Bloom deflects. Classic. And then they hurry to go and find the others in the wing suite. I'm sorry. Also, who the freak is this little fire fairy dude that Farrah is all of a sudden giving orders to? <gasps> is this? Is this one of the upperclassmen I jokingly said was training other fairies while Dowling and the two others ran the school? <laughs> I was, it was just a joke. <laughs> but that's definitely what he is. Hey there, thanks so much for listening. If you're enjoying this episode of the Winks Forever podcast, consider following us on social media at Winks Forever Podcast. Once they have everyone assembled for what I assume to be the worst pep rally of Althea's history, 
Dowling shares that this is what they've been training for. Training for? Since when? Last week? (laughs) They've been training for this literally since last week. Because from what Bloom was told, she was there to learn how to control her powers. Not literally defeat an army of ancient monsters. Ugh, but whatever. Whatever. Ah, yes. Then Bloom runs to find Dowling. She tells her that she and Rosalind were really at the stone circle, to which Dowling clues her in on powers all of Alfia and the magical barrier. And now Bloom is feeling even more conflicted. But Aisha was right. (laughs) Dowling has literally more to deal with than Bloom's selfish little history scavenger hunt she's doing literally during a burned one siege of Alfia. Oh my gosh. Meanwhile, Riven is helping Dane concoct a potion to help revive Beatrix after being the spring for the trap of the Undercroft. Basically, Beatrix was going to use Dane to spring the trap. Instead, when Dane showed up, Beatrix had been cursed by the trap and then took her to the greenhouse. That's all good and well, but they've clearly been there for at least a couple of hours. In the dang courtyard, where all the faculty are gathering the students to barricade them in, they had like a ton of like potion alchemy stuff out, right? Like they're like set up um, in the canteen. Where did they get all that supplies from? Assumedly from Harvey's supplies in the greenhouse, right? Where Beatrix and Dane are? So there's a plot hole for you. Not huge, but it's there. They would have obviously seen that Beatrix and Dane were there, but whatever. Anyway, Riven flat out asks Dane if he's gay, and Dane tactively evades the question right before Beatrix comes to. Elsewhere, Sam is getting worse as Harvey tries to work to save his son, and Musa cannot handle sensing her boyfriend's pain when Harvey instructs her how to use her powers to help. After a half attempt, Musa freaks out and runs off, leaving Tara and her dad to tend to Sam. Bloom overhears the one apparently now super important male fire fairy character talking about the dire strait that they are all in when she decides to suck it up and go apologize to Skye. Clearly not convinced she's she's like sorry for the whole, you know, drugging him thing. Bloom decides it's a great idea to attack Skye's face with her face and they kiss. You know, while the rest of the school is literally barricading the doors and preparing for war. Yeah, really romantic. (laughs) But then (laughs) Skye is like, yeah, whatever you're doing or you're thinking of doing, like I'm here for you, which is super sweet, you know. But then Bloom Litter is just like, nah fam, thanks. I'm going to go get my two, like, best fairy girlfriends and we're going to go get this situation handled. We don't need you, no Madge. <laughs> like, I am dying. That is pro. like, he literally just is like, I am here for you. And she was like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Are you kidding uh respect it like from a girl boss like don't need no man standpoint but like also poor 
freaking Sky. <laughs> Sky really deserves better, but he kind of does it to himself. But also, what the heck, Bloom? I don't. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. You're listening to the Winks Forever podcast. So Bloom leaves Sky to find Aisha and Stella talking about how Bloom is about to go do something reckless and crazy, which like, true. And they follow her off to go do something reckless and crazy. All of this scene happening, what I want to focus on <laughs> is dinner lady Doris just casually turning her canteen into a dang infirmary. <laughs> Looking like a dang crazy nurse with her, like, get up and her, like, Coke bottle glasses. I, oh my gosh, I cannot. <laughs> Did Dinner Lady Doris just become my favorite fake character in this one scene in episode six? Yes. Yes, she did. <laughs> Apparently, all characters in Faith the Wink Saga think that the middle of absolute chaos is the perfect time to have freaking heart to hearts. I just, <laughs> I can't. Because Sky attempts to ask a simple, you know, question to Silva about how long he believes the barricades will hold. When Silva is like, IDK, here's a crap ton of information about your father and oh yeah, I killed him. Excuse me? This is not what Sky needed in this very moment. <laughs> also, yes, all of this flashback helping tell Silva's backstory with Andreas. Where was this flashback footage when Rosalind confessed to Bloom about Astrodel? Whatever, I'm over it. Also, the flashback fight scene would have been better with laser swords. I'm just saying. Honestly, though, Sky sums up the whole scene by asking Silva, what the F am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Sky is literally all of us watching this unfold. <laughs> asking the important questions. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode of the Winks Forever podcast, consider giving us a follow on your preferred streaming platform so that you're notified when new episodes drop burn ones are like surrounding Alfia, right? And they start to knock on the outside of the castle walls when Tara goes off to find Musa, who again, decides it's the perfect time to divulge just a bunch of really deep shit about her past. <laughs> like, can't this wait? No? Okay, carry on. <laughs> While the rest of the school literally fights burn ones and your boyfriend dies. Great. But Jokes aside, this is a really good moment for the Terra-Musa friendship arc, I will admit. Even if Musa is a big wimp. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's a joke, it's a joke. <laughs> Alright, let's move on. A burned one finally breaks through the atrium glass ceiling and goes up to Specialist Cat, sniffs her, and then makes a break for the tunnel under the kitchen floor where Bloom, Stella, and Aisha escaped through. Everyone's confused as to why the burned ones start to leave until Farah asks the question that literally no one is asking. Where is Bloom? 
So yeah, after Sky literally was like, I'm here for you, Bloom. <laughs> Bloom creates a plan that literally leaves him out of it. It's kind of a vibe, honestly. But Bloom, Stella, and Aisha lead the burned ones out onto the Alfia grounds where Bloom explains to them that she is about to draw on all the magic that she can muster to try to defeat the burned ones. But she's not sure what will happen. Girl, <laughs> we already know what's about to happen. And it's about to be magical. So Aisha surrounds Bloom with water in case Bloom gets out of control. But really what it did mostly was give Bloom a sick background for her full fairy transformation sequence. And we stan. When I tell you that I screamed <laughs> when she started to like float into the air and transform, I, uh, I freaking loved it. Uh! Now, there are a lot of disappointed fans in the fandom that saw the transformation sequence and had the opposite reaction as me and said it was underwhelming. These are probably the same fans that wanted like glittery cosplay-esque outfits in the series instead of the girls' real-world appearances. Like I said in the Fate overview, I'm pretty happy with how the transformation turned out and relieved that they didn't go with the -the over-the-top transformation with a full outfit. First of all, they absolutely wouldn't have done our Fab Fairies justice with a full outfit transformation. Second, it would have just been cheap feeling, you know? I'm happy overall with the end product that we did get. Once Bloom is in her full fairy form, she starts to take down burn ones by fire magic ripping the cinders out of the middle of them and they fall dead to the ground and transform like back into humans. Interesting. Noted. Note that for later. Fair Dowling shows up right at the end just to catch... Uh, bloom as she collapses from exhaustion. I mean, she is a new fairy who just went full fairy form and destroyed some ancient monsters single-handedly, after all. Farrah lets Stella and Aisha take Bloom back to the Wink Suite, where all the girls are surrounding Bloom as Stella and Aisha tuck Bloom in for the night. The girls cut up and make jokes about events from the night, as only millennials slash Gen Z know how to do with traumatizing events, apparently. (laughs) Can relate. Fair Dowling stays with the burned ones outside as Silva shows up, and she shares with him what Bloom shared with her about what Rosalind shared with Bloom about Asterdale and the blood witches and whatever. And all of a sudden... (laughs) Silva is feeling like uber guilty about killing Andreas, apparently. And then we see Sky sitting outside Alfia being a moody little boy when it transitions from night to day. He is then joined by Bloom and they have a little bit of dialogue in which Bloom says that she felt like for the first time that she was herself when she transformed and that she really felt like she belonged there. Sky is obviously still processing all of the information he received from Silva the night before. Then Farrah walks out of the castle, which Sky points out, and Bloom leaves to join her. This is such a cute scene and all, but is it just me? <laughs> or was Bloom's lips throughout this entire episode like super crusty? <laughs> they just looked like uber chapped. Like, the whole episode. Maybe that was just, like, a side effect from all the magic she used the night before? 
like chapped lips? Maybe. <laughs> Yikes. Bloom joins Dowian in her office when Farah asks how Bloom is feeling and starts to explain how the magic she drew the night before was great. And when Bloom like interrupts her and finally apologizes for literally being a brat this entire season. <laughs> I feel like this was a great and needed moment. One that I didn't think that we would get from Fate Bloom, really. And uh, when Bloom asks her if, if they can hug, I just, uh, I die every time. But what I was not ready for was the next scene. Bloom decides that she can't keep lying to her Earth parents, Mike and Vanessa, and goes back to Gardenia to tell them the truth about her, her powers, and brings the Winx girls for support. All of them. Even Stella. And when I tell you <laughs> that I cry literally every time I watch this montage. Literally. I <laughs> I just watched it and I am crying. <laughs> there is... It's it's so gorgeous and it's so well done and the Bon Iver song in it and just, oh, I just, it's so good. It does subtly remind me of the montage we get in the first Winx Club film, Secret of the Lost Kingdom, when Bloom goes back to Gardenia after the Winx graduate from Althea. The feels. We get to see Bloom telling her parents all about it at the dining room table in their house and Bloom displaying her powers for them. Everyone cries. Mike and Vanessa are reminiscing while looking like through old baby pictures of Bloom. And then we see the girls just all interacting together. And it's just so beautiful. I love it. It was the payoff we needed for the first season of Fate. And I will stand by that. But of course, this show is still ran by Brian Young, so we can't have too much of a good thing for too long, because why would that happen? Ugh. Meanwhile, back at Althea, a bunch of Solarians roll up to arrest Silva for the, wait for it, attempted murderer of Andreas of Heraklion, and then outsteps Andreas, just casually says, hello, Sky. Um, no, you don't just casually get to greet him like that, sir. Baby has been through so much in the last 24 hours, and you've been alive for 16 years and not been raising your son. Instead, he raised a freaking murderous witch teenager in the form of Beatrix. I just, what? This is so messed up. I cannot. Poor baby Sky. Yes, his personality is literally cardboard, but he's baby cardboard that needs protecting uh, from his terrible non-not-dead-dead dead father. I just, ugh, terrible. So bad. And then Farah is found in the graveyard by Rosalind, standing next to the graves that she had just made for the burned ones that died the night before. I guess the night before? Maybe, like couple days but I don't know I don't know time is an illusion in like this last half of the show I don't I don't know what time is Rosalind then tells Farah all about this ancient legend that's a thousand years old literally right before Rosalind casually snaps Farah's neck with her magic and then Farah falls to the ground and is consumed by nature around her what <laughs> first of all what second what 
But no, for real, I yelled at like 1am watching this episode in January when it was released, when the words, the dragon flame came out of uh, Rosalind's crusty old fairy mouth. Like, I died. (laughs) My neighbors did move out shortly after this. Not because I was loud watching Fate, but because they had a baby and they had to move. But anyway, they probably didn't appreciate me screaming at the TV at 1am. So there's that. Also, does this entire scene of Rosalind telling Farah about the legend not sound like just a stream of consciousness? Like, it's almost like the actress looked over what her lines were once or twice, barely memorized them and said, let's do it in one take. I've got this. And then they did it and kept it with all of the mess ups (laughs) because that's what it sounded like to me when she's like, it's a thousand years old. That's how old the burned ones are, by the way. Gross. I hate that. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like any of it. Rosalind is disgusting. Also, (laughs) Rosalind talks like uncomfortably close to Farah in this scene and I do not like it. They are like inches away from each other's faces. They are like not COVID approved close. They are like not even non-COVID approved close. Like they are too close. (laughs) They are too close even for non-COVID standards. (laughs) Will my podcast get flagged because I said that? Because I said the word COVID. I've said it now three times. Crap. Then the ending is the girls rolling up to the school thinking everything is honky-dory when they are greeted by Andreas, Rosalind, and Queen Luna. Everyone has dramatic looks on their faces. Music plays. Season ends. Roll credits. You're listening to the Winx Forever Podcast. That's it. That is all for season one of Fate the Winx Saga. Now, I didn't record my initial thoughts after watching episode six in January, apparently. I think that I was probably too shook. (laughs) I do remember distinctively um, waking up my husband to vent about the ending, though. Just some cool little stats for you real quickly. Fate, the Winx Saga, was the number one watched show in the world for a full week on Netflix and then continued to be so for two weeks after it premiered. And it is now the second most watched show in the world on Netflix for 2021 so far. No matter your feelings towards the live-action reimagination of Winx Club, you can't argue that those numbers are pretty jarring. Personally, I am proud to be a fan for the past 17 years, and it is an exciting time to be a Winxer. But man, we've got a lot to think about going into the next season of Fate the Winx Saga. Like, Netflix has approved Fate Season 2 to have 8 episodes instead of 6, which is really exciting. Shortly after it was announced that the show was renewed, Brian Young took to Instagram to share a statement regarding the next season, saying, The six episodes in season one only scratched the surface of this incredibly rich world and the powerful fairies who inhabit it. 
As Bloom's story continues to evolve, I can't wait for you to learn more about Aisha, Stella, Tara, and Misa. And you never know who might show up at Althea next term. After this was posted, it obviously created a fate theory frenzy among the fandom. Many are speculating that the original Winx Club character Flora will be introduced next season as it is mentioned in the first episode that she is, in fact, Tara's cousin. A lot of fans believe that this could also be the return of thought-to-be-killed Alfia headmistress Farrah Dowling, while others are still holding out hope for a Tecna Fairy of Technology appearance in Fate. But the possibility of a Flora appearance in Season 2, however, is becoming more and more likely as it is believed by Winx fans that British Latina actress Morgan Nia Hilaire will be portraying the Fairy of Nature in the upcoming season. Even more speculation came after Aisha actress Precious Mustafa invited Morgan to her birthday celebration in April. It'll be very interesting to see where Brian Young and the creators of Fate take this story. It'll be even more intriguing to see what they do to address some of the more glaring issues with the show, like underrepresentation, homophobic themes, and the lackluster of character development around the main five girls. I am personally interested to learn more about um, our fairy of water and see if she is actually a princess or not. A lot of fans believe that Stella was referencing Aisha's royalty in the second episode when she told Bloom to feel free and ask your sweetmate how much of a screw-up that is, quote-unquote, um, in reference to losing the crown jewel of Solaria. Obviously, though, Stella was directing this snide comment towards Musa, who had just insulted her title and her outfit, which clearly not directed at Aisha, who wasn't even in the, like, area at the time of when she said it. It'll also be really exciting to learn more about just the other world and its history and lore. But whatever happens, I just hope that they take care of this Rosalind problem, like, soon in the season because I want to get back to the everyday learning magic and potions and spells you know like just more magic stuff Real quick, thank you guys for sharing your fate theories over on my Instagram. Some of y'all be wildin' with these though. <laughs> A lot of y'all are like me and holding out hope that Dowling won't be dead in season two. Many of the comments seem to think that Bloom, being the overpowered character that she always tends to be, will be able to use her fire healing magic that we got a glimpse of in episode 5 when she healed Sky's cut on his face. Though this would be a nice parallel to the original Wink series when Bloom literally healed Sky in season 2 but not Naboo in season 4 for some reason. Whatever. My friend Jake or um, Cuba016 as you might know him on Instagram and within the Winks community. Um, he has a theory about how they'll bring Farah back that I think would actually make a lot more sense. He shared that he believes Farah actually used her earth magic to be absorbed by nature to preserve her, and that this will be a nice segue for Flora to be introduced, who will help then revive Farah alongside her cousin, Tara. <laughs> 
similarly to how they revived Fairy Gonda in season three. Other theories included Stella's ex-best friend Ricky, whom Stella blinded the year prior. Some believe that she will be like a Diaspro-esque character in Fate, which I mean, a blind Diaspro would be a serve, not gonna lie. <laughs> While other fans, including Endo Winks, thinks that Ricky might actually turn out to be another one of the Trix members like Darcy. <laughs> Some of y'all think that Rosalind might be Bloom's mother, which like... Yeah, I mean, that's possible, I guess, but she's definitely way too old to be Bloom's mom, in my opinion. And, of course, everybody wants to see Saul Silva's redemption and reunited with Skye, who might come to see that his biological father is a complete asshole and forgive Saul for not killing Andreas. Wow. That does it for season one of the Winx Forever podcast. And what a season it has been. I didn't know what I was getting myself into really when I began this show. So I am super thankful for all of you for embarking on this new creative venture with me. That being said, I am so excited for season two where we will dive even deeper into the original Winx series as I invite my friends and special guests and creatives from the fandom to be a part of the show. So I hope you'll stick around for that. Be sure to follow us on social media, Winks Forever Podcast. I will be sharing some super exciting things in the next coming weeks leading up to season two. Thanks for listening and we'll talk real soon. Hey there, thanks so much for listening. The theme for the Winks Forever Podcast is the song She Makes Magic by Big Wild. <laughs>